Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. I love our community. I'm a a West Mobilian by nature, kind of raised there, was not born there, unfortunately. My parents, for some reason, decided to make me a confused Yankee because my dad was in the Navy and I was born in Massachusetts. But all I've known all my life is L.A., the Deep South like raised 100%. Like I think I spent less than eight months of my life elsewhere. Now that doesn't count my college years, you know. But, but I love the South. I love this area. I love Mobile. I love Baldwin County. And before moving here, I was just like, I don't know, God. Baldwin County, that's like the sunshine rainbow bridge to the rich people over there. Like I don't know if anybody else has lived in Mobile, but that's how they talk about it, like Baldwin County over there. Like, literally, we were at a dinner Friday night, and they're like, so how is it over there? Like, when you get across, like, like how is it living with the, the fancy people? And I'm like, they're just people. Like, they don't, they, I don't know. Maybe that's Fairhope. Maybe I need to go down the street a little further, you know. It's not Daphne. But we're, we're getting, in this series, we've been talking about unity, and we've been talking about that in our rally, and as a church, that's one of our core values. Like, we believe in unity. we want to be unified. We don't want to be on different pages, okay? Like, I don't want you to show up to our book study and you've already read the entire book and I'm still on chapter one. Like, I get it, we have different modes in life and different things like that, but I want to help join together in the body of Christ so that we're all unified, going the same direction. So if you have your Bible or you're one of those, you know, like me, okay? I'm a, I'm a millennial tail-end kind of person, so I'm all digital usually. Like, I have a Bible I study out of, but typically, I have my digital version. Like, I'm, I'm always, that's just me. Like, turn your device on, I get to the scripture, you know, way quicker than other people because I just, boop, boop, it's easy, it's done. But if you have it with you, we're going to be reading out of Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. And I want to jump right into the scripture here because we're going we're gonna to really springboard off of this. So right there in verse 6, it says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Ooh, am I glad the Lord doesn't change. I don't need fickle God. I got fickle people. Okay? I've had people promise me my whole life different things, and then they're like, boop, nope, left turn, not going to do that. Right turn, just kidding. You know, I've had people bail on me, do different things, say they're going to do one thing and do something else. Like, I am so glad the Lord changes not. Continue reading. At least some people agree. Okay? That is why your descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. Talk about harsh reality. Cheating on God. We ain't going to get into that side conversation. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me in the tithes and the offering due to me. You ever had somebody cheat on you? It ain't a good feeling. It's not good. If the Lord says you're cheating on him, that's really not good. 
But he says, you've cheated on me in the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse. Not only does he say, hey, you've been caught in the act. Now you got a curse on you. I don't know if you've ever been cursed, felt like you're cursed, had someone try to piece a curse on you. I don't even like curse words. Like, I used to do them all the time. My brother would make me bad when I was mad when I was little, and I was the cussingest little sailor seven-year-old you ever seen. So much so, I'd get the soap in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? I'd spit all them words out together, and they didn't even make perfect sense in a sentence. But I was using them. Like, is this what the Lord's saying? He's cussing at us? No, he's saying, there is a curse that I've basically withdrawn my glory, my presence, my anointing, my blessings on your life. And when you don't have the blessings of God and the covering on you, curse automatically comes. It automatically, it is just, it's there. Because when you are outside of the fold of Christ, you're in the world. And you know who, who's in charge of the world? It's the devourer, right? He's, he's seeking who he can kill, steal, and destroy from. It says, so you are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you will not have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Some translations say the devourer there. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be a great delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. We like that last part. I'm all about, come on, Jesus. You're going to pour out a blessing. Come on, we're going to see it. You know, we start dancing and shaking and doing whatever, you know. I really like this part where it's like, your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. See, I'm one of those like minor entrepreneurial people. Like I try to buy and sell things. Like I'm all about the, the little schemes. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's me. Like COVID hit and I was like, oh, watch this. I'm buying me some stocks because they plummet in right now. They about to take back off later. And I did. I made some pretty pennies on it. Y'all have heard me say, like I bought and sold sports cards for a year. Made Bukoodles of money on it. Now, maybe not bukoodles for some people, but it was bukoodles of money for me because I'm poor, okay? In those ways, financially. Like one day, maybe we'll get there, okay? I'm still, I'm still learning in life. But I would love some of those things that I bought and sold to have known the exact moment when they were the ripest. That's what this scripture says. It says that they won't fall until they're ripe. Like, I've bought things and sold things. Like, literally, I remember I, I had a sports car, and I got it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, easy, $1,800. Going to make it all day long. That sports card today, you know how much that card's worth? It blows my mind. I don't even like to look it up anymore. It's a $36,000 card. $1,800 was a nice little chunk of change. But $3,600? $36,000 is a lot more. Like, if I'd have known that's when the ripeness was going to be, the Lord just whispered in my ear, Leslie, now sell it. You know, don't wait. Do it now. Don't, oh no, you need to hold on. Like that's the kind of blessings we're talking about when we give to the Lord. So, so when we, we think about these verses, we think about the curse, we think about the, the gifts that God's given us, we were actually singing and actually praying some dangerous prayer up here earlier. I don't know if y'all know that or not. But like when you tell Lord, your way's better, you can have it all, like whatever you want to do, God, he's like, okay. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I'll do it. But you better know what you're signing up for before you really get all the way in that.
Because the Lord will challenge you. The Lord will put things on you, and you're like, ah, I know I said everything, Lord. But I wasn't really thinking about that. Like, the Lord will slip in there. We'll get that in a minute. We are called to be unified in giving. We've been talking about unity. I don't like to be the only person giving in my family, in, in anything, right? Like, if I got to do everything, I'll just throw it in the trash usually. Like, honestly. Now, there's certain things I'm all in, like, hey, don't touch that. I'm OCD about that, babe. Don't touch the dishwasher, okay? Because I load it in a perfect system. It's organized, and she's over there like a raccoon on meth, just throwing them in any way she can. <laughs> and I'm like, dear Lord, just don't let me look. Just hit the wash button, and I'll walk away. She don't understand my giving in that. Maybe some of y'all are that way. Maybe some of you aren't. Maybe it's something else, okay? My dad is OCD about his grass for the longest time. It looked like a golf course. He was like, I'm going to cut it this way, then I'm going to cut it this way, and I'm going to rake it out, and I'm going to... I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? Just cut the grass. And then I got the, the age to cut the grass, and he expects the same out of me. Mm. Mm. I don't cut the grass like that. Just so y'all know, when I got out of the house, I was like, just, it's, it's cut. We're good, you know? But... <laughs> but we all give a certain amount, right? Like as a family unit, like that's something we teach our children. The older they get, I'm like, hey, Rowan, you're seven years old. It's time for you to clean your own room. I'm not doing it anymore for you. You made the mess. You clean it up. You got to give a portion of it. And because of that, he gets an allowance. Now, he doesn't do it right. Do it again till you get it right. Or you're not getting the, the giving part that I am as the father giving to you. So here's, here's like our, our theme in this. It says unity is going in the same direction at the same speed with the same attitude. And I love that. I love that Pastor Rife created that. that it's, 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 that's the essence of unity. But I got to thinking about this. I'm like, what does that mean for me? And this is the way I know how to think this because I am typical image related. Like we were doing rally and I had an image come up and that was like, that's it. I remember two years ago we were at kids camp. Kids camp. Woo. Y'all just don't know till you go serve at a youth camp or a kids' camp. But we're there, we're doing games, we're doing all this stuff. It's fun, it's awesome, you know. And I am not, okay, I love kids, but please don't make me watch your kids. My ideas of babysitting kids is like we got to roll a duct tape and we're playing Cowboys and Indians and you're all wrapped up so you don't talk, okay? Like, I love them, but I can only handle so many. That's why I stopped at two. Okay, my wife wanted more. But we're, we're, we get ready for this one game. And I'm seeing who's, who all the other teams are picking, right? And we're going to play tug of war in a mud puddle. Like literally you put, get down in here and you're entrenched way up here in the mud and you're going to play tug of war. And I'm looking. Like some of these other children's pastors, they're a little um, bigger in the Lord. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, you know. And I kid you not, we get pitted against this team. And I'm looking at my team, and I'm like, man, I got a bunch of scrawny little kids like I was. These two kids on the other team, they were bigger than I was. I'm talking like these, they were Samoan looking, okay? <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Like, they came out there, and I thought they was about to sumo wrestle. They was, let's go. You know, their voices were deeper than I was. And I was like, hold on, age check. I need a reference on those. Can we see the birth certificates? You know, they were five foot seven, 240 pounds. Like, they were big kids. 
And this is supposed to be like fifth grade and below. <laughs> this ain't youth camp. Like, I can deal with youth camp. Like, yeah, I get it. But this is kids camp. And I'm like, man, we about to lose this. And they're like, Pastor Wesley, come on, we got this. And I'm like, I don't know. We're going to lose. So I jump in the mud puddle, and I'm like, all right, I'll be the anchor point. I'm, I'm at the end, right? It's tug of war. We're all going in the same direction. We should be going at the same speed with the same attitude. So we jump in there, and they say go. And I'm, I'm just holding on for dear life, just yeah. And I'm looking over at the counselor, who's one of my friends, now a missionary in Africa, and he's like, just give up. I can see it on his face. He's like, dude, you're stupid if you don't just give up. At this point, I feel kids sliding off the rope, and they're wrapping around me. And I'm like, do I give up? Like, how much is this worth? Is my reputation worth the challenge here? And then it dawned on me, what are we doing? We are not in sync. And I looked over at him, and he could see it on my face. I don't, I don't know what, it had to have been like the Samson spirit or something. And I started screaming, one, two, three, pull, one, two. And we got in sync like that. And I'm telling you, I do not know. With all respect to humanity, those kids should have won. They had us outweighed, outstrength, everything, and we killed them. We whooped them. I don't know what it was other than unity. When we got on the same page, and I remember talking to the counselor after, and he's like, dude, I've never seen a match go that long. I don't know how you even had the strength. He was like, we timed it. Y'all were in there for seven and a half minutes. And I'm like, I know, because I can't feel my fingers or my arms. But we won because we were in unity. We were in a sense of the same direction, the same speed, with the same attitude. It wasn't just we were all standing there hoping we were going to pull our section. But when we got into a rowing motion on counts, we really started to take over. That's what unity is. It's not just, hey, yeah, I'm doing my part over here and I'm pulling. But it's like, hey, let me listen for the instructions that are given so that I can be in the same direction, in that same speed. At the moment when we need to pull, we pull. When we don't, we're just holding the tension. That's what unity is. That's what it means to be unified in giving and unified in everything else. So unified vision, it's going to take you farther, faster, and with fewer distractions. I don't like distractions when I'm doing certain things. My wife hates me because I won't, I won't get distracted if I'm doing things. She'll be like, hey, yeah, blah, 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 and she's talking. She's, she's like pouring out over here. And I'll be like, huh? She's like, you didn't hear anything I said? I said, if you didn't call my name first, I didn't listen. I just assume you're on the phone, you're talking to yourself, you're getting on to one of the kids, and that's not my problem because, you know, I'm just sitting here watching the football game or something. I don't know, right, you know? And she gets mad at me for it, but I'm like, I'm not unified with you right now because you didn't let me know you needed me. Just, just talking to me, just saying something because you're in the same room as me does not let me know that you need me to be unified with you, to lock eyes with you and say, okay, what do you want? And I'll do this. We'll be watching a show or something, and she's over there talking, and I will pause the show and be like, what do you need? Are you done? Okay. You know, and I'm not being mean about it. It's just I know me. If I don't, she can say whatever she wants, and three days later she can try to remind me of it, and I'm like, you never said that. You lying. But she ain't lying. She told me. I just didn't listen. So I'm not unified. I don't have a unified vision. And so we're not getting to the same place. We're not going farther or faster or with any sense of not having distractions. We have all the distractions. 
I don't know, we're, we're still early on in the parenting phase, phase. Well, our kids will try and pit us against each other. They'll try to be a distraction. Well, mommy said, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Mommy and daddy on the same page. If mommy said it, you ain't getting it. I don't care what I think or I think should be right. We're getting rid of that distraction. We've got to get rid of the distractions. We've got to in order for us to go the farthest we're ever going to go and the fastest to get there. We don't need all the other things to come up into the wayside. Look at this scripture, if I can get there. Maybe. I don't know if my clicker's not working or... There we go. Okay. Matthew 20, 28. I'll give you a second to get there. Matthew 20, 28. We actually, we covered this last week, but I want to kind of focus on the back end of it. It says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're all about serving sometimes. Like, that's why Jesus came. He's like, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do everything I can. And then that last part there, though, he says, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And most of the time, we understand that concept. I think all of us get it. Like, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, we get that. But I I was looking at this and looking at some of the, the word text on it. It literally means giving as in, like, I expect nothing back. There's no requirement to qualify for this. Like, I don't wake up on Christmas morning and my kids go to open their presents and I'm like, hold on, you gotta pay the piper here, you know? I'm just like, have fun, open them up. Like, I don't expect anything back. Like, I hope they get joy out of it. I hope they're not like me and I get the best present in the world and I'm not emotional in it and my wife hates that about me. She's like, do you like it? Because I can't see it on your face. I'm like, oh yeah, I love it, babe, it's awesome. She's like, no, you don't, I'll take it back. I'm like, no, I really do like it. You know, But we give it in a way that we don't expect anything. Yeah. Same thing is true when we give. God's like, are you really giving it where there's no requirement, there's no pressure, there's no, like, there's no expectation? Because I've known people, this is what they'll do. Well, I'll give to the church, but this is what I want to give to specifically. What does it matter? If you believe in the men of God... And you believe in this church, it shouldn't matter where your money goes. You should think and know and appreciate in the spirit that we are doing everything that we can to be like the most mindful of whatever you give. And it's to bless the kingdom. That's what it's about. Then it says, as a ransom for many. My immediate mind thought on this, the imagery is like, I've never had, you know, anyone in my life that I've had to pay a ransom for. But I've watched movies where they're like, 50 million dollars, unmarked bills, you know, you got to pay the ransom or else. And I'm like, that's some pretty serious stuff. Like, to pay a ransom, like God didn't have to pay our ransom, but he chose to. We're not even deserving of him to pay our ransom. And I got to think, how does that relate to giving? My giving pays the ransom for someone else too. If one of my kids got stolen, I would sell everything I had to pay the ransom. When I give, I'm giving into children's ministry. When I give, I'm giving into greeters at the door. When I give, I'm giving into whatever it may be. Breath mints in a bowl that some of us need more than others. Okay? But it's for a ransom, right? So that we can save people to the kingdom. I'm giving in a way that's so unified that I'm like, whatever it takes, Lord. If you require this of me, I will give it. 
that I'll relinquish it to you. There's no expectation of where it has to go, what you have to do. Because trust me, if there was, there's certain things that I would pick my money to go to. I'd be like, dear Lord, you know that I have a heart and I desire for my brother to get saved. And I want to spend the money there. And he's like, that ain't for you to decide. Let me work that out. You just faithfully give. Because I don't know your loved ones like you know your loved ones. I don't care probably about your loved ones the same way that you care. Like we all love lost souls, right? But it's different when it's personal. Like children in Africa, yeah, I know they're starving. But it gets personal when I go there and I visit them or I see a, a clip or something. You know, in the arms of the angel. You're like, i got to give money, you know. Like it becomes personal. It's more than just like, oh, yeah, I know that's happening. It's okay. Like, we've got to begin to know that it's personal and want to give to it. So here's what that falls down to. Giving is a natural byproduct of being a Christian. It's not a prerequisite. I don't, like, let you come up here. We're having an altar call. But hold on. Let's check your uh, banking information for the church. No, you haven't given enough yet. You can't get saved. We don't do that, Right? But it does become a byproduct when you're a believer. Because here's the thing. If you're not a giver, and this is going to step on some toes for you right here. If you are not a giver and you call yourself a Christian, sometimes I wonder. Because that's not the heart of Christ. That's not how Jesus lived his life. That's not the heart of the Father. Freely he gave it to us. Freely. He's saying, you want to be unified? Then be unified with me in giving. Not to put some, you know, big, I'm not on some plateau because I give a bunch. Trust me. There's some of y'all in here that probably give way more than I do. But I give out of what I have constantly, faithfully. I have for decades. Me and my wife, when we got married, we decided that. Like, no, we're going to give. No matter how much it hurts sometimes. No matter what comes. And we've literally, I'm a numbers person. I've looked at the numbers sometimes and I'm like, this don't make no sense. Like, we should be this much not having, but somehow we still are okay. There's been times and places where we've been and I'm like, Lord, I don't know. But he's like, that's a natural byproduct because you love me. It's a natural byproduct of you just being in the faith. Does he require it of us? Absolutely. If you're not, if you're not already in that mode of like, I'm going to do this. I encourage you, get into the word. Old Testament, New Testament, they line up. We already read there, God changes not. This isn't some Old Testament like thing in the dark corner over here that we're like, yeah, no, I'm under the new covenant. I don't have to give anymore because God supplies all my needs. Really? Because <laughs> a lot of times the scripture says, yeah, he's going to supply all the needs of the church. He says, bring it into the storehouses. You know who's bringing it in, who's supplying all the needs? We are. Exactly. Like, there's days, yeah, I wish I'd go home and Egg McMahon would show up in my house with a $5,000 a week check. Like, it'd make life a whole lot easier, right? Like, thank you, Lord. You know? But that's not the way it works. He's like, nope, son, you're going to get into the dirt and you're going to work. And you're going to do things. You're going to put forth the effort because it's so much more valuable. Like, my parents didn't give me anything. My parents have money. But they were like, yeah, son, here's the uh, extra card that we happen to have that runs the paper route, and these are the hours you can have it. Go find a job that, you know, works with that. They didn't give me no free car. 
They didn't pay for my cell phone, you know, because they were just now coming out for all you young, 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 you know, people. <clears throat> the clicking generation. I didn't have it handed to me on a silver platter. I had to work for it, and I thank God I did. I thank my father that I did because it meant so much more. Like, there's things in my life that I'm like, I'm really glad I have that, and I don't want anybody to tear that up. Like, my $20 garden hose, when my dog chews it up, I'm like, you, that means something to me. It may be 20 bucks, but that's like, it means something to me. So when I give, I don't give lightly. I give with a cheerful heart, but I'm like, Lord, you know what this means to me, and I'm giving it to you freely. It's a natural byproduct of my life, just as a Christian. Look at this one. When believers unite in giving, we exemplify the very image of united church or unified church. How many times have you looked around and you're like, yeah, that, they don't really look like the body of Christ. At a church, at a supposed Christian, okay? This is one of those things when we give, it helps us just become more and more like that image of what Christ wanted. You realize Christ did not, he didn't like, when he was getting ready to leave this earth, he was like, all right, now here's the plan, disciples. I want you, go be the Baptist. You, go be the Methodist. He was not about all that. He was like, be the bridegroom of Christ. All of you, together. I have friends in all kinds of denominations because I don't get stuck up in those certain things. Like, hey, can we agree on, this is the base truth. Like, we got that. Okay, cool. Like, if you don't necessarily believe in that, that's not a heaven or hell decision. That's not a make or break for me. That's not a like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that you don't believe that. Now, do I wish you did? Heck yeah. Like, do I wish every believer could speak in tongues and prophesy and do all these things? Because those are edifying to the body. I mean, I certainly need them half the time. I'm like, man, God, if I couldn't do that, I don't know where I would be at certain places. Because it's a part of my spiritual warfare. But my giving is a part of that too. It unifies me in the body of Christ and with the Godhead. It makes me so much better. It exemplifies the very image of what Christ wanted us to be. As the little church and the big church, little C, big C, if you don't know what that is, this body and this house and the church on a global scale. Like think about the things that we could do as a unified church if we were all just like, I haven't read the statistics lately, but I, I've known and read them for years, like what the actual tithing rate in churches are. And it's abysmal, to be honest with y'all. It is sad. And I think if we really actually did what the Word of God said, what would be the impact? Like, we could probably solve world hunger. Like, it's, it's atrocious, the things that we as Western Christians will spend our money on but blow off other things that are so important. And I know, I get it. Like, we're not going to go all the way down that rabbit trail because I get it. I mean, there's a certain level in Western society, especially in the United States, that we live in. I mean, do I need designer pants or shoes? I mean, I got Nikes on this morning. No, I don't. Like, I, I could go buy some Bobos at the store. But it does have to be in our hearts, this giving nature. Let me share with you a story. So we've already covered kids camp, okay? So we're going to move to youth camp. 
because youth camps, it's awesome. It's fun. I don't know if y'all know this or not. We were camp champs this year because we're awesome. Not really, you know. But it was awesome to see the people that were cheating didn't win. Y'all wouldn't believe that Christians cheat, would you, at youth camp? Yeah. But was that two years ago, three years ago? I don't remember. We were at youth camp, and, man, this speaker is killing it. This guy, he's knocking it out of the park. He comes in, and he's talking to the leaders, and we are amped. I mean, we are juiced. He's talking about this thing that we do called Speed the Light in the Assembly of God at the time. And he's just pouring his heart out. He's telling us about all these different stuff. And I am like, man, I'm ready to give right now. And then the actual guy that's supposed to come in for like his cause for that specific ministry comes in and he just tanks. And I mean like sucks, if we can say that in a church. Okay. Like I was just like, dude, everything that the speaker just built you up as and was ready for the cause, like every single leader, every single youth pastor there is ready to just like pull out their wallets and just give money. And he just like, we left that meeting because it was a morning meeting, that devotional. And I I can hear the murmuring in the leaders and stuff. So we get to service that night. And so like that's the time when like everybody, all the youth students were supposed to collect money for Speed the Light. And we start in on this song, and they're playing it or whatever, and they get up there, and they talk about Speed the Light. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I'm going to give some money. Like, yeah, this is a good cause. We're going to give money. And I'm sitting there. So like, all right, go ahead, find your way down to the front, give your money. And so like, you know, I've brought some money to youth camp. Like, I have some cash in my wallet because you got to buy snacks and, you know, different stuff with the rec call. So I'm like, Lord, I'm going to give the rest of the money in my wallet to you. I can't remember how much it was, 50 bucks maybe, something smallish. And I get up, and I'm walking down to give money to this cause. And the Lord just struck me. And he's like, that's not enough. I'm like, what do you mean, Lord? I only got 50 bucks in cash. And then I hear the person come on. Don't forget, we also have credit card machines that will be held by the leaders in the back. And I'm like, really, God? Really? So I'm like, fine, fine, fine. I've decided in my heart, you know, because the word says we should decide in our hearts how much to give. I'm like, okay, fine, Lord, I'll give $200. And I'm walking down there, the Lord says, that's not enough. I'm like, come on, God, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Like, this is $200. Like, this, this is a lot. Like, none of these other youth students here have $200. He's like, it's not enough. I'm like, okay, Lord, 400 And I get halfway there, like, because you have to come out of the, the uh, top balcony space and he's like that's not enough i'm like fine fine god i hear you five hundred dollars final offer you know like (laughs) like you can negotiate with god what you're going to tell him you're going to give he's like that's not enough i'm like i know what i have in that other account he's like yeah that's what i want you to give i'm like no 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 lord you don't understand how this is like i've been through dave ramsey financial peace university like that's my emergency fund that's not for you that's that's for like you know if something really bad happens and he's like, yeah, that's what I want you to give. Because your emergency is nothing compared to what you're given to. You see, we were given to a ministry that was saving people out of sex trafficking. Young girls and young boys. Snatched from their families. And I was like, okay, God. Like, my emergency fund is not so important compared to someone's life who's been taken from them. I was literally paying someone to ransom, probably, for someone to go and find them, to have the funds available to pick someone up out of a place they never should have been 
And I was like, Lord, how can I not give? I got down there and I, I gave the amount he told me to give. And I got back up and I remember we discussed it and she's like, I already knew. I don't know why you weren't listening to God. <laughs> you know. No one else's wife does that to him, I'm sure. But, but it's like, man, because I make, usually we're unified in those decisions. And, and I made that call before we talked about it. And I was like, how can I not give to this? It exemplifies the very image of a unified church. I don't remember what their goal was that night, but I do remember whatever it was. It, was it like eighty dollars or $100,000? They collected like $40,000 that night from youth students. Youth students. Now, I grant it, some youth students now, they have more money than they know what to do with. Trust me. I've been to Spanish Fort. They got, they got kicks on. <laughs> Y'all see where I'm going with this. They got kicks on. They're more expensive than like my whole wardrobe in my closet. But I'm like, it's amazing when you get the heart of Christ, what you can do unified. That we, that's what we need to be, unified in such a way that it just, it drives us to a whole new direction. So this verse here, 1 Corinthians 1.10, says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. We're supposed to be united. It was never an idea of God the Father, Jesus, for us to go our separate directions to be pulling in all these different things. And I get it. Like, we can't support every missionary. We can't give to every cause. It's just not possible, right? But we can as a unified church, the big church, all the churches around the world. We can take care of those issues. We can take care of those things. We can get in there and make a difference. We can impact, right? And I'm like, man, I wish I was unified in so many different ways. And we actually, when we were at this pastor's retreat praying, I got the opportunity to share kind of a story that's near and dear to my heart slash whatever else you want to say. But I, I got to thinking about this, like my father's given me good gifts growing up. You know, he'd provide different things, give me things. Like I don't want y'all to think like he never gave me anything, right? Like Christmas came, we still got presents, except for maybe that first year because we were so poor we didn't get presents. But... I got to thinking, like, what is one of the most important gifts he's ever given me? And one of the gifts he gave me, I really did not appreciate. Like, I didn't want it. Like, some of you may or may not have heard this story before, but I'm going to share it. You see, I got out of Bible college, came back home, thought I was supposed to marry this one particular girl. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I know for sure. Holy Spirit told me kind of thing, right? And she broke it off. She's like, see you later, joker. I'm out of here, you know, and I'm, you know, all of 20-something years old, broken heart, not realizing it, and so I start dating this other girl, didn't realize it's emotional rebound, all that jazz, whatever, okay, like, you're young, you're dumb, you make stupid decisions, it happens, and so I remember over the course of about nine months, we got extremely serious, and she, I give her a ring, do the whole down on one knee in front of, you know, Magic Kingdom's Princess Castle, all this, you know, whatever stuff, okay? And I'm saying that because you'll, get, you'll see why. 
you know, it was sincere at the time. So we're supposed to get married. And I remember my dad comes to me and he says, son, I've called your job and you're not going to work next week. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, I'm, here's a plane ticket in the morning. You're getting on a plane, you're flying to Michigan and you're going to see your old youth pastor. He was giving me a gift and I did not want that gift. He was giving into my life in a way that would have repercussions for years. Flew me up there. I get off. I'm telling you, it was the worst experience in my life. I left here, and it was like 73 degrees, so I'm wearing like this. I get off the plane. They let the stairs down. It's negative 9 degrees. There's 12 feet of snow on the ground, and they're like, there's the airport 500 yards away. Go ahead and walk to it. And I'm like, dear Lord, why have you forsaken me? You know? <laughs> so I'm freezing. I go up there. We talk. We have conversations. I stay with a week with my, my mentor that I had in the time of my life, my old youth pastor. And we go round and round and round in circles about this whole relationship and what it means and should I be in it? Is it right? Is it wrong? Is this what God's called me to? Because young people, I'll tell you this. Other than your acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Savior, whoever you pick as your soulmate to marry, that is the second most important decision you're going to make in your life. So you better be really, really sure. So we finally come to this conclusion that, like, this just ain't right. I fly back, and I'm, I'm like, okay, Lord, I know what I'm supposed to do. This is a gift my Father's given to me. Some insight, some wisdom, some really hard learning here, some spank on the butt kind of, you know, giving. And I have to address this situation. What do you say at that point? I mean, I'm literally two weeks away from getting married. Two weeks. And you want, like, imagine this is your daughter for a second. And he's going to come to her two weeks before the wedding and say, yeah, this ain't going to happen. Like, I'm going to break this girl's heart. I'm going to really make this family mad. Like, there's, like, you ain't getting the deposits back for the flour and the cake and all that, you know, like... It's, done in, it's a done said deal. And I've got to go in there and, and disrupt this. But I was given an opportunity. And I took it. And I was like, I had to line up into the unity of what other people had been saying, what my father knew was best. Get out of my own mindset, my own heart's desire. Because the heart will lead you astray. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but if you listen to that thing, it'll take you in the wrong direction sometimes. I need the heart of the father. And so I, I broke it off, ended up finding the perfect woman for me who sits in this front row. You know, I'm earning those brownie points right now, checking them off because I can speak. You know. <laughs> and so, so I was given a second opportunity, and I'm like, man, how many times do we not give to things? Because it's not necessarily easy ground. It's not necessarily what I would have done. Even though the vision's been cast, the church is saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. And we're like, yeah, th that's cool for you, man, but that ain't me. Like, I'm going to do my own thing. I want my Starbucks, or I want to spend it on this or that or whatever. And God all the time reminds me, he's like, it's not for you to decide. I give seed to the sower, and it's your job to sow the seed. So I give my seed willingly, without any requirement, and that's where we've got to get as a church body is unified in that. Unified to where we're saying, God, I'm going to give you it all. Like, 
I don't know if y'all have ever thought about this. This had dawned on me when I was probably about 25 years old. We had read that verse in Matthew earlier where it talks about Jesus came not to serve but to be served. Like, think about how you get paid for a minute. Someone has decided how much your time is worth. Your specific amount of your time, of your life. Like, my time is worth X amount of dollars. And you don't know how much time you got, right? So you're deciding how much value that is. Someone is. So when we give, we're literally saying, God, a portion of my life, of my time that someone has valued, I'm going to give it to you. See, serving and giving go hand in hand. When you serve, it's just as much as if you're giving, really, monetary value. Because you're saying, Lord, I want to give my time to you. It's the one thing we all have in common. Like some of us are going to get buried in some awesome, amazing, you know, $400 million mausoleum graves. That's not going to be me. Okay, I don't care. Shoot me out of a cannon. I'm dead. It doesn't matter. But, like, the time that we have, that's a value that we can give to God. So maybe you're like, hey, I don't have that much money. I can't be such and such over here, the Busby family who's multimillionaires. Like, I, I just can't give to that. God's like, that's fine. Give what you have, and I'll multiply it. I'll be the one to multiply it. When you give it with a right heart, God multiplies it more than you ever could in your own hands. He doesn't take it and like, okay, well, you gave $10. Let's see what we can do with $10. He's like, all right, you gave $10. let us see what happens with that. Like, before we got into all the high-end genetic processing of, you know, crops and all this different stuff, like, y'all realize, like, most farmers now, because they get these seeds that are, you know, super genetic, grow mode. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, they can be like, you see this corn right here? I know that when I plant this, I'm going to get a stalk, and it's going to have exactly five things of corn on it. But like the original plan, there's a reason why the scripture says, and to some it will be five, and some it will be ten, and some it will be twenty, and some it will be forty, and some it will be a hundred. Because when you plant your seed, you don't know the exact amount that's coming out. When I plant my seed, it's not for me to go, yeah, that's going to be fivefold. God's like, no, 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 no. You just plant the seed and see what happens. I'll make the appropriate amount come in the harvest that's needed at the appropriate time. See, I don't worry about the future because I know I've got seed in the ground. And I'm continually planting seed in the ground for the next season. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen because I'm like, Lord, it's all on you. Like, it takes the pressure. The anxi- I don't have anxiety in those areas because I'm like, it's all on you, God. <laughs> if you fail, it's your fault. Like, I had a pastor one time, he said, he, he would say the, these, this saying, and it really stuck to my heart. And he's like, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. If he wills it to be done, it's going to be his bill. Now, he might use us to supply it, and he might make you work some extra. Lord knows I've done that before. God's like, hey, I want you to do this. I'm like, Lord, I don't have money for that. He's like, that's okay. The next week, hey, Wesley, you want to go cut some lawns with me? Not really. Well, there's money in it. Oh, yeah, God did tell me I needed to give some money, and he's going to provide a way. Well, guess I'm going to work, you know? It was his will, it was his bill, but I was the one that's going to have to provide through it. That's what we got to get in our mindset, that we're going to give in a way that unifies us, that no matter what the cost is, whatever extra we need to do, that it's going to happen, because we're being the hands and feet and the giving nature of God that's going to supply that. 
So let's jump over here. I know normally we don't have two texts to read through, but that's okay because God said that we need to read this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Well, no duh. Like, I'm not a you know, farmer, but I know how this works. You plant three seeds, you're going to get a small crop. You plant a thousand seeds, you get a big crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Let's stop right there. Because here's how I used to think this worked. I take my seed, I plant it in the ground, I get a harvest, and I give that away. And God's like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. You're not filling up your bucket to go pour it out. You're building pipes for the blessings of the Lord to flow through you. You see, when water runs through pipes, even when you turn the water off, guess what's in there? There's still some in there, right? He uses us out of the abundant overflow in our lives to continue to bless people. I still have stuff in my own life for my own needs, for my own blessings. But the only way that I can continue to keep that fresh and continue to keep having the seed go through is if I turn it on, I just let it keep the running. Like, I don't live in an age where I have to go get water from a well. I just turn the tap on and it comes out. I got these magic little things, you know. I know the, the next generation behind me, they got, you know, sports water and high ionized pH balance and all that crazy stuff. Yep. Well, we did, no, we grew up, you just drank out of the hose. You know, we didn't have the magical whatever water that's out there today. I don't even know. This is from somewhere, right? And God's saying, you are the very vessel I'm using to give. You're the one. And when we get that in our minds, that it's not like, oh, Lord, I'm planting harvest just to bless someone else. Yes, that's great. That's awesome. But he's like, I'm blessing you so much that you get to be able to give. Like, I used to think, man, God, it would be awesome if I had a million dollars show up and I could give it to the church. I don't pray that prayer anymore. I pray, Lord, make me a millionaire so that I can be a blessing so much farther. Because guess what? If I just have a million dollars and I give a million dollars away, I'm still in the same place, and that, that's gone. But if I'm a multi-millionaire business person, it just keeps reoccurring. It just keeps making, you know? It's like the never-ending popcorn machine or something. I don't even know. Like, it just keeps happening. It keeps happening. Like, I don't have a problem with rich people. I've had people in my life that are not in the church, and they're like, I just don't understand why y'all got rich people in the church. And I'm like, have you read the Bible? Like, you realize there was some rich people in the Bible. Like, Abraham, he won't pour. He was magnificently rich. David, King David, was magnificently rich. Like, there's some really rich jokers in there. But they did it with the heart of Christ. Like, I firmly believe that if you're rich and you get out of the will of God, he will make that dry up within a couple generations. Most people who win the lottery are broke within a couple decades, usually sometimes faster, because they have no idea how to manage money and give into the kingdom properly. So let's jump back in there. Let's see where I was. 
And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Hmm, imagine that. When you're blessed, you share freely and you give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the, for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Giving is a part of our lives so naturally as a Christian. And I grew up in church and didn't get that. You know, I'd go to children's church, my dad would be like, here's your 50 cents for your offering, you know. It took me a while later in life to really understand that concept of giving, of giving it away, freely giving. Like, as a kid, all I wanted to do was receive my gifts on Christmas. Just being honest, like, we'd make our list, we'd have them numbered, you know, this is the most important, in case you didn't get it, let's circle all of it several times, hello, I want the new Nintendo game, you know, because I was all about receiving. And later on in life, I started realizing, like, man, I can give, make other people happy in that same way that I feel when I receive something. Like, don't ever turn down somebody's gift, and I'm not good at this, okay? People want to give me stuff, and I'm like, are you, are you sure? And I'm like, I know the word, and it's like I'm really robbing them of a reward, of a blessing in their life, because the Lord's like, no, no, no. They want to bless you. They want to give you something like, okay. Sometimes I pass that on, you know. I don't want to be like Pastor Rife over here with three blowers in my garage, and I don't know why I even have three blowers, but I'm keeping them just in case, you know. <laughs> he told that story, and I was like, have I ever done that? Let me think, you know. But there probably is things in my house that I'm like, I really don't need that. Why has it been sitting there, and I've never touched it in 20 years, you know. Why don't I give that away to someone who actually does? Like, we so admonish and want to strive to be like Christ, but so many times we hold back in areas. I told y'all, like, you're singing and praying some dangerous words there to give it all away. Like, I'm sitting there on the front row and we're singing that song, and I'm thinking, dear Lord, when I got to get up here and preach about giving, are you going to tell me that I need to empty my bank account again? Because I, I know in my heart I believe it. But it hurts. It really does. Because I'm a financial planner. I'm one who's like, mm, and God's like, I don't work in the systems of the world. The things I do will confuse the wisdom of the world. Because here's the thing, you're never going to outgive God. I've seen people try to do it. I had a pastor friend one time got just convicted of the Lord to give a car away. He's like, no, Lord, I'm not giving that car away. It's a BMW. It's a nice high-end. The Lord said, give it away. So give it away. He got a call two days later. A guy called him and said, hey, man, I don't know why, but the Lord told me to give you this house. Now, I'll take a trade for a, a car for a house any day. I don't know about you. And this was a nice house. You are not going to outgive God. 
If he tells you to do something, just do it. Like, we got to have the Nike saying, just do it. You know, something. So look at this verse. It says, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. It says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase in your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Everything comes in seed form. When we preach, it's seed form. It's your choice out there, whether you accept it, whether you bury it deep in your heart, or whether it takes your root and grows. Anytime you get teaching in school, it's the same way. Like a teacher cannot force you to learn. Anything that is provided in your life comes in seed form. Like I can give you a gift freely, and if you don't take care of it and like help nurture it, it doesn't grow. Everything starts off in this seed form. And God's like, that's why I say in my word, this thing will never stop. Seed, time, and harvest. See, the world's got it wrong. They like to try and pull from another religious word called karma. I don't believe in karma. Okay? I don't like build up my good deeds so that my dharma increases so that I can... It it doesn't work like that. But there is a thing in the scripture, seed time and harvest. Whatever I put out in seed, I'm going to reap a harvest in it. If I'm constantly gossiping about somebody, why should I not expect people to gossip about me? It's going to happen. If I'm constantly, you know, helping people out, they're going to help me out. If I'm constantly giving money away, you can bet your bottom dollar money's going to come back to me. And I know preachers, we want to be like, well, it's not all about finances. And it's not. Like, you, you should be blessed abundantly above in all your situations, right? Like, I will take a blessing in my family to have good health, to have, you know, because I don't want to pay the medical bills. I don't want to, you know. But there is, like, when the word also says, when you plant apples, you get apples. I know how this works, you know, right? Like, if I plant a lemon, like my son did, and all of a sudden, we got watermelons growing. I'm going to be like, that is a confused seed. It does not know its gender identity. <laughs> we'll get it. That, that's a different thing, okay? But y'all see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's always worked that way. If I take two dogs, I make two dogs. You're going to get another dog. Like, when my wife was pregnant, they'd be like, she's just expecting. And I'm like, well, I hope she's not expecting. I hope she knows what's coming out. It's a human baby. There ain't no weasel coming out. It's easy to follow. When we plant seed in the ground, it's going to grant a harvest in the same way that we planted it. And when we unify in that, we can point a direction and go faster, farther, and with less distractions. When one of us comes up here, or there's someone who brings a need in, and we're like, hey, we're going to put seed into that ground. We're going to pray over it. We're going to watch it grow. We're expecting it to produce what we planted. If I pour into a missionary, hey, you've got a missionary in Honduras or wherever, and you're praying for children, and we're trying to provide them schooling, I'm providing seed for that ministry. I expect students to graduate and do something with their life. I don't expect you to be like, yeah, no, we put that seed, and uh, something else really strange came out. That's why we're unified in it, is so that we know what's bearing fruit. We know that it's going to bear good fruit, because we're unified givers. All day long, we are unified in our giving, in our serving, in everything that we do. I don't like to be in disunity. Does it happen times? Absolutely. Me and my wife will get on two different pages. 
while we were at the prayer retreat, we were climbing this mountain. And it was a trek, I'm telling you. I think we were praying, Lord, why have you forsaken us? I don't know if we should have done this. And of course, there's like these 90-year-old ladies coming down off the mountain. And you're like, if they can do it, I'll do it too, you know? But we got to this one point, and I'm following behind one of the younger youth pastors there. And I, I brought up a conversation that had happened, I don't even know, it had to have been like 12 hours earlier or something. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, he's, he's not following me. We're not unified in this. But me and my wife will do this. We'll be riding in the car. We haven't said anything for five minutes. And all of a sudden, I'll say something, and she immediately knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like she's been tracking the same mental paths. Because we're unified. Right. We've spent enough time with each other that we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know where you're going with this. Like I'm not lost. I'm not confused. Even if it's the strangest, most bizarre thing. Because we're unified, and that's how the body of Christ should be. We're so unified that it's like, I don't have to ask. I don't have to second guess. I don't have to try and figure out where you're trying to go with this, really. I'm in agreement. Let's do this. So I want us to lean into some ways that we can activate this, ways that we can apply being unified givers. Because it's not just, I want to know the knowledge. I told you all this is seed form. We want to give you practical ways to apply this in your life. Here they are. Begin to tithe. If you're not a tither, I challenge you. The Word of God says, test me in this. Testing. Now, don't like tithe one week and be like, okay, God, I'm waiting. It doesn't work like that. Okay? It's seed, time, and harvest. Begin to tithe. I don't, I don't know what the specific time frame on that is. But I would suggest you do it for at least a month before you just say, yeah, that didn't work. Give it unto God and see what the fruit doesn't produce in your life. And if you don't know what the tithe is, the tithe is 10%. Okay? That's not, you know, whatever 10% you want to give. Really, it's the first fruit, 10%. And that can be confusing for us in this day and age because, like, I don't receive my payments in this, like, here's your first part and here's your second part. But it's what you intend with it in your heart, Right? Like before I pay anything else, I go, okay, Lord, here's my tithe. I don't look at my bills and check them all off and go, okay, do I have enough this month? I just say, Lord, no, this is, I just got paid. Here you go. All the rest of it will fall in line. If I seek first the kingdom of heaven, all of the things, all of the things. I'm telling you, I don't have to worry about that. So we tithe. Test him in it. Just do it telling you he's going to prove himself to you in amazing ways begin to tithe put forth the effort especially if you call yourself you're a christian you serve in ministry in any way and capacity tithe it's a part of the natural lifestyle of a christian second thing put your money where your mouth is a lot of us are good talkers there's some people that can talk way better than me they know how to inspire crowds. They know how to run businesses. They know how to do whatever. But they never learn the principle of putting their money where their mouth is. They'll say they believe in something, and they won't show up to the event. They won't give money to it. They won't help out in any way. And I'm like, your words are useless. You should have just kept your mouth shut. That's where, that's where the rubber meets the road. Because what does the Scripture says? Where your treasure is your heart will be also. It doesn't say, okay, your heart's there, so you're definitely going to want to give some money. 
Because there's been some things in my life, I know, even in ministry, that I'm like, I don't know about that, God. He's like, put some money there. See if your heart won't follow after it. Because my money means something to me. I don't have a spirit of mammon on me. I'm not like, oh my gosh, it's all my money. I got to keep it protected. But I know that when I give it away, there's a part of a value of my life that I'm giving that God's like, now your heart's going to start to follow that. You care about what happens over there. I've invested in it, so I'm like, let's see what happens. Like, I'll ask my son sometimes. I give him money for something. I'm like, hey, did you get, did you get your cone of ice at school? Because I gave money to it. And if you didn't get it, I'll go up there and make sure you get a cone of ice. You know? Y'all think I'm kidding. Like, I, I seriously think like that. <laughs> That's just how I am. My money attaches value. So put your money where your mouth is. Don't say that you love this church if you're not willing to give to it. That's just plain and simple. You can get hurt by it. But it's the truth. I've been on door-to-door ministries before, knocked on a door, and they're like, hey, how are you? You know, you're talking to them and everything. And they're like, oh, I already attend a church. Pastor Bob Smith is the pastor there. And I'm like, uh, yeah, he's been dead four years. They don't even have a clue. And I'm like, you, you, you definitely don't give there if you don't even know who the pastor is anymore. So if you're going to say something, put your money behind it. And the last thing, okay, be a part of one of the opportunities we provide to give into good ground. I'm all about good ground. I don't want to take my seed and just throw it out there and hope something happens. And I know from being on this ministry, I know from seeing things that have happened that the things that we do are good ground. It's fertile ground. We've tilled up the rocks. We've pulled up the weeds. We've done our homework. I'm not expecting you to give to some cause that it's like, yeah, we gave $400 to it, but only 3% of it made it there. And I don't know if y'all know this, there's ministries out there that are really like that. And it's sad. But we have opportunities, places that we can take our financial blessings Because just being born in the United States of America, you are so blessed beyond comparison. It's crazy. Telling you, if you've never been on a missions trip, I know this is a sidebar, go on a missions trip. It will change your life to just see how different the rest of the world operates. I don't care how bad it seems like it's gotten here. I'm like, I'm still a part of one of the most blessed nations that's ever been on the face of the earth. So be a part of those opportunities.